You are listening to the Stillbirth Matters podcast, presented by the Star Legacy Foundation, a national nonprofit founded on the belief that every pregnancy deserves a happy ending. If you enjoy listening to this podcast, give us a five-star rating, or better yet, visit StarLegacyFoundation.org and make a donation. My guest for this episode is Professor Asma Khalil, a professor of obstetrics and maternal fetal medicine at St. George's Hospital, University of London. She has published more than 300 peer-reviewed papers and won many research prizes, both at the national and international level. Her research interests include twin pregnancy, fetal growth restriction, and hypertensive disorders in pregnancy. She's an editor for the Ultrasound on Obstetrics and Gynecology Journal. Lately, Dr. Khalil has focused her attention on the impact of COVID-19 on pregnancy outcomes. Well, Ozma, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Um, thanks for having me. So my first question for you is kind of how you first got involved in researching and trying to find answers about the impact of COVID-19 on pregnancy outcomes. I know when COVID-19 first became a thing, so many people were scrambling to make sense of it and make and trying to find answers. And at what point did you start to conduct some research and figure out the impacts of this? And, and why did you get involved in this as well? Um, well, as a researcher, when the COVID-19 pandemic um, started, it struck me that we had very little data. And um, the fact that the recommendations or the guidance or our practice um, was based on very little evidence. And therefore, I felt that as a community, um, as researchers, as clinicians, we have duty to look and try to get answers to the questions so that we'd be able to provide better evidence to guide our practice. And hence, that's where I started uh, researching um, COVID-19 uh, in pregnancy. Well, thank you for doing that. And I know that back in the spring and early summer of 2020, you published several papers discussing an increase in stillbirth since the start of the pandemic. Can you tell us about what you found? Um, we published a number of papers um, on uh, focusing on obviously COVID-19, particularly in pregnancy. But if I would uh, group um, these papers into four categories, um, the first was to look at the direct effect of the viral virus itself, the infection itself, on um, pregnant uh, mothers and their babies. Um, the second category was uh, looking at the impact of the pandemic itself, so mainly the indirect effect, so not, not just women who have infection, but um, perhaps the indirect effect, or I would call it the collateral damage of the, of the pandemic on pregnant um, women and their babies. The third category was um, assessing or looking at early, the, the early stage of the pandemic on um, the infection among healthcare workers in London, because we, we really had very limited data at that time. And the fourth category was um, looking at the effect of pandemic on the model of care in particular women uh, with hypertension in pregnancy and how we can actually deliver uh, their care safely uh, during the pandemic. So 
So I'm just going to give you maybe uh, briefly, particularly on the first two categories, uh, which is the effect of the virus itself or the infection on um, pregnant women. And, and certainly we were we, we reported that at very early stage, we were among the, the first groups that reported that uh, nearly 90% of pregnant women with confirmed uh, viral infection were asymptomatic. So these women did not have any symptoms, but when you test them for the uh, for the COVID or for the SARS-CoV-2, so the virus or coronavirus, uh, they were positive. And, it, and actually, interestingly, we found the data in London very similar to the published data in New York. Uh, in New York, again, early stage in the pandemic, they reported that 90% of pregnant women with the infection were asymptomatic. They did not have any symptoms. And it's really important when you look at the studies and also look at the potential uh, bias in the studies. Um, the second uh, question that we tried to address and we published papers on is um, the risk factors, the symptoms, uh, what we see in the, uh, when we do the, the test in the lab, uh, what complication or problems related to infection that the uh, pregnant women have, and their outcome to the pregnancies and effect on uh, their babies. And we publish a number of papers um, trying to address these questions. The second category was assessing the impact of the pandemic, which is mainly, as I, men as I mentioned earlier, the indirect effects, or what I call it, the collateral damage of, of the pandemic. And um, this was data from uh, the hospital where I work. And between, uh, we compared uh, four um, outcomes. So the stillbirth, uh, the preterm birth, so delivering early, um, the cesarean section and admission to the neonatal unit. And we compared uh, the figures uh, during the peak or the first peak of the pandemic. So that's between beginning of February and mid-June. We compared these figures between um, the four months preceding the pandemic in London, which was between October and um, end of January 2020. Um, and we reported that there was increase in stillbirth rate, but there was no difference in the other three outcomes, which is preterm birth, cesarean section, and neonatal uh, unit. We were really surprised with, um, with these results, and we tried an attempt to explain this observed increase in stillbirth. We tried to investigate or look at uh, the change in uh, attendance to the hospitals because uh, during the first week, we also noticed that women were not really coming to the hospital, that the triage um, was empty, the clinics were empty. Um, so we looked at the number of women coming to the, the, the triage, so out of hours visits, the number of uh, births, women giving births in the hospital, and also number of bookings, so women registering to give birth in the hospital. And we reported that there was about approximately 20% reduction in the um, triage visits, which could potentially also explain the increase uh, in stillbirths that we uh, observed. Well, I'm so impressed with all of the thorough research that you were able to do in such short matter. And I'm wondering what we can take away from, from some of these findings and, and what advice you would give to women who are pregnant based on what you've learned from this research? Um, as you can imagine, when we um, reported the increase in stillbirths uh, during the first week of the pandemic, that was really frightening and, and raised concerns. And I, I really felt, or I think, that the increase in stillbirths 
could be potentially not related to the virus infection itself. We don't think the virus causes stillbirth, or there's no strong evidence to suggest that that's the case. But um, unfortunately, women were afraid of coming to the hospital, um, or they worry about fear of uh, getting infection, or perhaps they know that the hospitals are, are under pressure and they don't want to um, be an extra burden um, on the on the hospitals. Um, and therefore, around that time um, when we published our results, certainly that alerted um, the healthcare professionals, um, the government, as well as the pregnant women and the public to this potential concern or potential risk. And therefore, we quickly um, changed the public health message um, from staying at home to actually come to the hospital if you need to. If you have any concern, if the baby's not moving, in this case, please don't stay at home. Uh, you need to come to the hospital. The hospital is a safe place. We would be able to look after you and the baby um, and um, just alerting them to this potential risk of staying at home and not coming to the hospital. Yeah, I want to talk about that a little bit more about, you know, women being afraid, pregnant women being afraid to go to hospitals. Is it is it fear? Is it assuming that they're their concerns and their needs are not as important as the pandemic? Is it a mixture of all of these things? Have you wrapped your head around this at all? I really think it's a potentially a mixture uh, of all of these things. Certainly that's what the impression I got from uh, from talking to the patients or the pregnant uh, mothers. Um, some of them are terrified of going to hospital and getting the infection and um, and obviously, you know, you, you watch television, you watch the news, and you see that um, people with uh, with COVID-19 are in intensive care unit, they're being ventilated, there is increased um, deaths. So, you know, there's that, certainly a component of, of fear of getting the infection and knowing that staying at home is, uh, is probably the best way to avoid uh, getting the infection in the first place. Um, but there's also the fact that you know people know that they are um, the hospitals are under pressure, and, and therefore, if women think, oh, the baby hasn't moved that much today, rather than normally would call the hospital and come and have a check and, and have a baby heart monitoring, she would say maybe, oh, I'll wait until tomorrow. I think it may be okay. Maybe I'll try something else. I'll ask my mom to see. I think it's probably okay. So um, I really think it's a mixture of things. Um, the good news that the government and the healthcare professionals um, have realized that this, and it's not just in pregnant uh, women, but also um, when we, the UK, we observed excess um, deaths that's not related to COVID. Um, and um, the fact that the number of uh, people attending to the accident emergency have declined during the first week, um, that was in parallel with excess deaths. So, and therefore, as I mentioned earlier, the public health messages have changed um, to the fact that rather than stay at home uh, is to actually please come to the hospital if you, if you have any concern or if you're not feeling well, um, don't uh, delay coming to the hospital. On the, on the other side of the token, it is the families who are considering getting pregnant. And you we hear people with conservative, careful mindsets say things like, don't make any major life decisions in the middle of a pandemic. Don't buy a new house. Don't make major investments uh, or other changes. And, and don't have a kid. Don't wait to have a baby until after the pandemic is behind us. Do you agree with that? Do you think people should be waiting to have to have a baby right now, or do you think now is a relatively a safe time to get pregnant? 
Um, I don't think we have any evidence that uh, getting pregnant now is uh, is dangerous or um, don't forget that, that the most of the the COVID-19 um, COVID effect has not been had on babies. Um, and therefore, you know, and, and to reassure um, the public that, you know, COVID-19 is usually a mild disease in the majority of people. And, and we still know that the you know, people who have risk factors or people who have other medical problems or old age or, or um, uh, obese, they tend to have higher risk of, of, um, of having complications. So we still, we don't want to frighten people unnecessarily. And we want to reassure that, um, you know, most pregnant women have good outcomes and have healthy babies and they will not have complication. And even if they have COVID, as I mentioned earlier, 90% are asymptomatic and those who have the disease and have symptoms, they tend to be mild in the majority. So I don't think we really, uh, we, we have to be um, careful not to frighten people unnecessarily. And in terms of the advice, um, I think certainly I, having the, um, or the introduction of the vaccines, um, I, I think it's gonna be um, a big step forward in, uh, in, our, in the way to be able to go back to our normal life. Um, and therefore, certainly if someone who had the vaccine, um, I suspect in, if in few weeks, they should be able to, to try to get pregnant. Um, but I want to emphasize that we have very little evidence to tell us whether we should be advising women not to get pregnant or um, advising to wait for a certain period after uh, receiving the vaccine or um, uh, not getting the vaccine if they, are, if they are going to or trying to get pregnant. What we know that we don't have data on pregnant women in vaccine trials, and therefore we don't know for sure the safety of the vaccines in pregnancy, but um, there is also no data to say that the vaccine is harmful. So, um, and therefore I think we just have to have a balanced um, response to this question when, if, if we get asked from, from the public. We are learning more about COVID-19 every day. The amount of research and data that's coming forward is, is so fast and so furious. And for that reason, we, we've learned a lot since the beginning of the pandemic, and we've learned a lot since you conducted this research. And I'm wondering, what are your latest observations? Is there anything new that you are seeing and hearing regarding COVID-19 and pregnancy since you completed these research projects? Um, yes, you're absolutely right. The, uh, we learn every day as uh, more and more studies are, are being published. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we did publish um, that we observed increase in stillbirths during the, the first few months in the pandemic. Um, and around that time, uh, there was also um, uh, uh, an observed peak in, in stillbirths in Scotland. And also around that, the same time, there were two large studies, one from Nepal and the other one from India, reporting increase in stillbirths. Um, and therefore, around that time, there was more and more evidence um, suggesting that there is increase in stillbirths uh, during the pandemic. The good news that the Office of National Statistics in England um, have uh, published uh, the data, the national data in from 2020 um, last month, and uh, reported that there was no significant um, difference in stillbirths. And therefore, uh, this data was very reassuring 
that there was no significant increase in stillbirths um, in England uh, during uh, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic. So to some extent, I think that's really reassuring um, because the, the concern about the increase in stillbirths uh, reported by ourselves and by also a number of other studies um, obviously was frightening to many um, healthcare professionals and also obviously more importantly pregnant women. Uh, we, we are seeing a very different pattern um, in the second week compared to in the second peak of the pandemic in, in the UK compared to the first peak. So certainly we are seeing more, um, more cases. Um, certainly the number of uh, COVID among pregnant women um, is more, more than even double now uh, compared to the first peak. At least that's my observation from my hospital and that's certainly what I hear from my uh, from colleagues in other hospitals. Um, but, but also we're not really seeing, despite the fact we are in a lockdown, we're not seeing the same observations that we saw in the first peak. In the first peak when we had the lockdown, certainly people were not coming to the hospital unless they have to. And, and as I mentioned, the triage was empty. Uh, or women coming out of hours because they have maybe like, you know, pain or babies not moving, or very few, much less than the usual. And now, in, during this second week, uh, it's a very different pattern. So actually, no, women are still coming to the hospital. And the number of COVID positive um, cases are far more. Um, whether it is because we are testing more compared to the first peak, where testing was limited to those who actually really have symptoms. And as I mentioned, the advice or the recommendation of the public health message don't, don't leave home or stay at home, don't come to hospital unless you have to. Is it because we are testing more or because we have a different strain of the coronavirus, which is um, more infectious and more people are getting it? Um, but certainly, uh, and, and in fact, you know, the government is um, concerned that, you know, are they concerned about whether people are not following the rules, whether actually there's, they're less compliant with the regulations, but we are seeing a very different pattern in this second um, week compared to the first week. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm wondering from a pregnant mother's uh, perspective, what this second peak means for them. Are we are we thinking that maybe since the pandemic isn't as new and mysterious as it was last fall, last spring and summer, that um, their behaviors in terms of conf feeling confident to go to the hospital is different this time around as well? Um, I don't think so. I think pregnant women are still concerned about the risk of getting the COVID-19. They are still concerned about um, their, uh, their babies. Um, they're still asking for more information. So they're asking the same questions as they asked before. Um, and hopefully we have more information to give them now compared to what we had during the first week. Um, but so certainly they're not um, afraid to come to hospital as they were in the first week. Um, certainly, uh, as I mentioned, that triage is not empty uh, like what it was in the first week. Women are coming to hospital if they have concern, or at least they are um, keen to contact the healthcare professionals um, if they have concern compared to the, uh, the first week.
So I, I don't think women are not are not afraid and not concerned about their well-being and about their babies, particularly when they hear the news that the number of this is um, has been increasing and you know it's been very high. And um, I don't think they are not concerned. I think it's just the fact that they are um, less reluctant to come to the hospital or to contact healthcare professionals if they have concern. And that's accompanied by the fact that we are testing more and more. And therefore, um, we are potentially diagnosing more cases. I have one final question for you, and we already talked about this, but I think it's so important to reinforce this one more time. Uh, I, I myself am the father of a stillborn child. I know many other families that have gone through this. And um, I think about the barriers, the, the mental barriers of going to the hospital when you have a pregnant mother who may, let's just say she's 36 weeks pregnant and she's feeling decreased movements and the mental barriers of taking that step and actually going to the hospital are immense. You don't want to look stupid. You're, you don't want to feel guilty if you're wrong. You don't want to overburden the healthcare system. You want to inherently trust the healthcare process and your doctor. And, and then let's put a pandemic lens on top of that thinking about all of the all of the overburden that's happening because of COVID-19 on the healthcare system. And I know we already talked about this, but I think we should reinforce it one more time. For this hypothetical situation, what your advice is for a, a family who's pregnant and who is concerned that there may be a problem? Um, I would say it's really important if you have any concern uh, about the baby's well-being or about um, the, the, you know, the, the, the pregnant mother herself, um, please um, come to hospital, get in touch with a healthcare professional. Um, don't worry about um, overloading us or don't think that we are too busy to be able to see you or look after you. Um, we'd rather you come and check that you're fine and the baby's fine rather than staying at home, not sure about what's going on. And so it's really important message that I urge the um, pregnant women and their partners and uh, to come to the hospital or to contact the healthcare professional if they have any concern and not to fear uh, coming to the hospital because of the pandemic. Well, Asma, thank you so much for conducting this critical research and for sharing your advice. Um, during this highly unusual time. And, and thank you for making time to appear on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, no, it's a, it's a pleasure. And I hope that was, um, I hope that's really useful. And uh, I really um, hope that we, um, we, we continue to deliver the best care and achieve the best outcomes uh, for pregnant women and babies. That's all for this episode of the Stillbirth Matters podcast. I'm Chris Duffy. Thanks for listening.